In June of 1957, Reverend Jim Jones issued a warning and a prophecy of death, the Pentecostal version of a death curse, to famed evangelist and faith healer William Branham. Gathered at the luxurious Claypool Hotel on the northeast corner of Illinois and Washington Streets in Indianapolis, Branham approached People's Temple members Archie Imes, Jack Arnold, and Jim Jones to defend himself against a rising number of ministers and evangelists who had suddenly turned against him. Jim Jones was a leading figure in William Branham's message sect at the time. And William Branham must have been sure that Jones would stand by his side. Branham apparently put full confidence in the leaders of People's Temple and vented his frustration, assuming that his words would remain confidential. According to Jones, William Branham also confided in Jones and the elders of People's Temple as witnesses that he, Branham, did not, quote, believe a thing in that Bible hardly. But he expressed that, quote, it's the only way to make a living. He said, I don't believe a thing in that Bible hardly. But he said, it's the way to make a living. Billy Graham, who I prophesied his death. Billy Branham, rather. Jones did not keep the statement in confidence, however. And in the biblical mouth of two or three witnesses, Archie Imes and Jack Arnold were used to confirm Jones' condemnation of William Branham's hypocrisy. Jones joined with the other ministers in rebuking Branham and condemning him to die. At the time, William Branham could have never predicted that Jones would sever ties and remove People's Temple from affiliation with his message sect. Branham helped lift Jones from his role as a relatively unknown faith healer into an overnight sensation when he headlined Jones' nationwide minister's convention at the Cato Tabernacle in Indianapolis just two years before. Jones rose to the ranks of the message into a leadership role, officially ordained into the sect by Joseph Matson Bose. After his successes at the Indianapolis Convention, Jones started hosting William Branham's healing revivals in other states and helping to spread William Branham's latter rain message, the religious doctrine for which the sect was named. Jones was a frequent face at full gospel churches devoted to William Branham's sect, such as the Laurel Street Tabernacle and the Branham-affiliated Bloomington Full Gospel Tabernacle. Jones, along with Joseph Matson Bose and Assemblies of God Indiana District Superintendent Roy Weed, had worked tirelessly to defend Branham against those who opposed latter rain, and there was no reason to assume that they would not continue. This time, however, when Branham confided in Jones that, quote, you can't preach the truth about that Bible, Jones decided that it was time to part ways and started moving people's temple away from Branham on the path eventually leading to the disciples of Christ. For decades, the curse that Jim Jones prophesied against William Branham has been shrouded in mystery. The reasons behind people's temple abruptly departing from the full gospel Pentecostalism to the disciples of Christ were also largely unknown until recently. After combining research collected from a leading member of one of the many splinter groups of William Branham's message cult of personality, and realizing that Jones himself had ministered two churches dedicated to that splinter group, we now have a better understanding of this period of People's Temple history. 
Though the latter rain revivals that united William Branham with Jim Jones were extremely popular from 1948 to 1952, their acceptance in many churches was in strong decline by 1957. In 1949, the Assemblies of God declared that the latter rain movement was heretical, causing a large number of supporting churches to halt their participation. As the resolution was enforced in Assemblies of God churches throughout the nation, other churches in fellowship with the Assemblies were also forced to decide in favor or against William Branham and his revivals. Indiana became a rogue district that was too tolerant, but the support of Indiana was not enough to sway the increasingly negative perception of the latter rain message. In 1953, at an advertised Branham-Baxter revival in Connersville, Indiana, Branham's longtime supporter and campaign manager, Reverend W.J. Earn Baxter, the Baxter half of the Branham-Baxter revivals, left abruptly after a few days, and then he refused to show for most of the 11-day schedule. Baxter's absence was apparently becoming more frequent, and Branham was uncomfortable leading the revivals alone. William Branham and his son, Billy Paul Branham, were forced to lead the revivals without prominent members of his staff. According to Branham, he had been constrained over differences in doctrine between himself and his campaign team, and he expressed newfound liberty to speak without reservations. Baxter later explained that he disagreed with Branham's doctrinal teaching, and that the fruits of Branham's teaching ministry were not good. Baxter was not the only person in William Branham's inner circle to abandon William Branham. Branham's inner circle was imploding. Gordon Lindsay, his other campaign manager, and an editor of his Voice of Healing publication was also starting to sever ties. Along with Lindsay, several other long-term supporters turned against Branham over doctrine. By December of 1953, at the Voice of Healing convention in Chicago, Many attendees who expected to hear Branham speak at the convention were sadly disappointed. Though William Branham was an advertised speaker at the convention, the leaders of the convention issued Branham an ultimatum concerning his heretical doctrine and ultimately barred William Branham from speaking. The very popular revival conventions, specifically named after William Branham's newsletter, would no longer allow William Branham to preach. This led to a very controversial argument between Gordon Lindsay and the Voice of Healing. Gordon Lindsay, who had been an editor for William Branham's The Voice of Healing publication from its inception, had unexpectedly come in contact with some very controversial information. In October of 1950, a letter was sent to Lindsay from Reverend Roy E. Davis, explaining that he, Davis, was the one who ordained William Branham into his first Pentecostal assembly. Contrary to the story given by William Branham's stage persona used in his revivals and his life story accounts that Lindsay himself had been publishing. Davis was well connected in the revival circuits, not for his religious doctrine or preaching so much as who he was. The Reverend Roy E. Davis that contacted Gordon Lindsay to expose the truth about William Branham's real history was at one time the second in command of the Ku Klux Klan under William Joseph Simmons, the founder of the 1915 Ku Klux Klan. 
He was also well known for his leadership role in another white supremacy group that he and Simmons had started called the Knights of the Flaming Sword. Davis was also widely famous for his religious radio program, Jack and Granny. His connection to the famous fundamentalist leader of the Calvary Baptist Church in New York, John Roach Straton, and his revivals held with the Ku Klux Klan's supreme religious chaplain, Imperial Clud, Reverend Caleb A. Ridley. On top of all of this, Roy E. Davis's criminal record, sexual misconduct, and felony sex crimes prison sentences in two state penitentiaries, and a long trail of charges and convictions that had been published in multiple states. This single letter, though seemingly harmless at the time, was William Branham's undoing. Learning that William Branham was not honest about himself in his life story, books, articles, and recordings would have definitely been concerning for Gordon Lindsay. But learning his deep association with leaders of white supremacy would have been appalling. In February of 1953, the Voice of Healing publication announced a new list of editors. And by July, William Branham was removed from the famous newsletter that was created to advertise his ministry. When William Branham was refused as a speaker at the 1953 Voice of Healing convention in Chicago, the situation was far more complex than simply a difference in religious opinion. Many of the ministers and evangelists at the convention had built their ministerial platforms on top of Branham's religious foundation. If people were to find out that this foundation was based on fiction, and that fiction was associated with the domestic terrorism of the white supremacy groups, it was not only William Branham's ministry that would suffer. Every ministry connected to William Branham would also suffer. Jim Jones appears to have been fully unaware of this history. Jones was a strong supporter of civil rights and equality and had developed a strong hatred for the Ku Klux Klan in Indiana. When Jones advertised his first joint campaign with William Branham, he advertised it in the Indianapolis Recorder, a black newspaper. Jones titled it People's Temple Interracial Interdenominational with morning services at People's Temple and evening services at Cato Tabernacle. Had he known of William Branham's deep roots in white supremacy, Jones would have never invited William Branham to be the featured speaker at a convention that he hosted, let alone join William Branham as a leader in the message sect. From Jones' initial perspective, William Branham was being persecuted, and he himself was no stranger to persecution. He fought very hard to protect the African Americans and members of his community that was being persecuted, and enjoyed being talked about by others as a freedom fighter and a defender of the helpless. As a result, Jones also faced persecution among some of his peers. William Branham, having lost most of his major supporters and campaign team, would have appeared to have been in desperate need of support. The tension between William Branham and other leaders of the post-World War II healing revival was no secret. In fact, it was openly discussed, both among ministers of the revivals and in publications. Joseph Matson Bose of the Philadelphia Church in Chicago made the issue even more public when he began demanding that Gordon Lindsay and the Voice of Healing revivalists give a reasonable answer why William Branham was not permitted to speak at the Voice of Healing convention in Chicago. 
Throughout 1954, Joseph Matson Bose publicly fought with the Voice of Healing team, using his Herald of Faith magazine as the vehicle for debate. Matson Bose sent an open letter to the Voice of Healing, demanding that Branham's former campaign team answer for their rejection of Branham. Lindsay responded, though indirectly, in an article in the Voice of Healing, leading to a very publicized battle between the two organizations. After the public debate between leading Pentecostal newsletters, William Branham was mysteriously absent from the 1954 lineup of evangelists at the Voice of Healing convention in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. In 1955, Branham's name was mentioned at the 7th Annual Voice of Healing Convention in Dallas, Texas, with a disclaimer, May be present. During the convention, however, Branham refused to show up and chose to be in San Fernandino, California, during the revivals. Instead of collaborating, he chose to go it alone without the support of his entire peer group. The timeline of William Branham's tension with his campaign managers coincides with the timeline of Jim Jones' formation of the People's Temple. In 1953, the year that Branham was ousted from the Voice of Healing publication and refused at the Voice of Healing convention, appears to be the same year that Jones joined the Message sect. December 1953 is the first year yet identified in which Jones held services at the Laurel Street Tabernacle. Laurel Street Tabernacle was one of the Indiana Assemblies of God churches sympathetic to the healing revivals and was dedicated by William Branham's sympathizer and AOG District Superintendent Roy Weed. Jones held multiple healing revival services at the Laurel Street Tabernacle that were advertised as, quote, miracle services. On April 4, 1955, Jones registered the Wings of Deliverance. In May of 1955, Joseph Matson Bose connected Jones to Branham by phone and mail, giving Jones instructions on how to bypass William Branham's mail handlers. Shortly thereafter, Jones announced that William Branham would be coming to People's Temple, and Joseph Matson Bose began touring with Jones at revival meetings. While working with Joseph Matson Bose, Plans were made to organize the Christian Fellowship Convention, which was apparently in competition with the Voice of Healing Convention. People's Temple began advertising the Christian Fellowship Convention as, quote, the Brotherhood Healing Crusade, from June 11th to 15th at the Cato Tabernacle. The Voice of Healing magazine gave the competition very little real estate in their pages for advertisement. Branham was only listed in the schedule and only as a speaking engagement, not an international convention of ministers. Thanks to the rally for support by Joseph Matson Bose and Jim Jones, however, Gordon Lindsay and the Voice of Healing evangelists were no longer necessary to his agenda, and Branham's ministry continued to find support. Jim Jones and Joseph Matson Bose had successfully salvaged the otherwise failing ministry of William Branham. Though it must have seemed to the outside looking in that Jim Jones needed William Branham to lift him into popularity during the June 1956 revivals at Cato Tabernacle, it was actually William Branham that needed Jones. Those who subscribed to Joseph Matson Bose's newsletter would have been aware. The newsletter challenged those who had cast Branham out of their circles. 
Still, the vast majority of participants in the healing revivals were unaware of the internal divisions within Branham's campaign team. Branham needed a new campaign team and new leadership in the revivals in order for his career to survive. In February of 1956, Jones was ordained into the message as a latter rain minister and evangelist by Joseph Matson Bose. And he joined forces with Joseph Matson Bose to organize a group of supporters for William Branham and started spreading the message. From early in his ministerial career until 1957, Jim Jones strongly supported William Branham and the healing revivals hosted meetings not only in Indianapolis but other states as well. At a meeting in Chicago, Illinois, however, Jones' support suddenly ceased after Branham's ties to white supremacy were widely exposed to the public. Three hundred ministers challenged Branham over his doctrinal teaching of serpent seed, which was the notion that the serpent from the biblical Garden of Eden mated with Eve, the mother of all living, to produce a second and evil bloodline. This doctrine was widely known among white supremacists and extremists as the Christian Identity Doctrine, made popular by Reverend Wesley A. Swift. According to the doctrinal teaching, the bloodline was nearly eradicated in the Great Flood described in the book of Genesis, but reemerged through the bloodline of Noah's son Ham, which many white supremacists claim to be the black race. While white supremacists were very public in their descriptions of the color of skin for each of the two bloodlines, Branham omitted race from his publicly taught versions of the doctrine, and instead trained certain leaders in his sect to privately teach that the evil seed was identified by people with black skin. And this Baal worship and idolatry spirit becomes characterized throughout practically all of Ham's descendants in the various areas and territories where they go. This lets me know, brothers and sisters, somewhere it's why we're seeing a great breaking of the colored people today from the old spiritual spirit back a hundred years ago that they used to have. And now, brothers and sisters, they're taking on this modernistic spirit. According to Branham's publicist, Lee Vale, the biblical serpent was, quote, as black as the ace of spades. Branham's subtle introduction of the Christian identity doctrine into his revivals could only be understood through the combination of other doctrines, such as his high-breeding doctrine. According to Branham, interracial children were mulattoes that were, quote, hybrid and, quote, illegitimate, and the two bloodlines should be kept separate. It was difficult to conceal, however, due to the widespread awareness of the Christian identity doctrine. Shortly after Branham's serpent seed, Christian identity doctrine, was introduced, 300 ministers challenged him over the doctrine. After William Branham's defense of the white supremacy doctrine to these hundreds of ministers, an open letter was circulated among them rebuking William Branham for what they considered to be a mistake that would soon lead to his own destruction. Both the ministers and the letter repeatedly warned Branham that he was soon to die. This open letter apparently pushed Jim Jones into a corner that he could not easily escape. To support William Branham in the white supremacy doctrine 
would be to deny all of the work that he had done in Indianapolis communities in support of racial equality. To reject William Branham over the doctrine would be to reject the message itself. According to Branham's message theology, the message and the messenger were one and the same. Jones eventually decided to reject both William Branham and his message, and he joined the ministers who attacked Branham. Some are listening. They won't tell you the truth because the black book is the easiest gravy train that they've ever been on. Yet Alan came to me, Al Roberts spoke this, Billy Graham came right to us, Iams, Jack and me in Claypool Hotel, said, I don't believe a thing in that Bible hardly. But he said, it's the way to make a living. Billy Graham, who I prophesied his death, Billy Branham rather, said his head would be, I said, he'll lose his head. His head was cut off in Texas. He said, you can't preach the truth about that Bible. He said, preach reincarnation. You cannot preach the truth about the Bible. You will be in trouble. I said, I choose to preach the, preach the truth. He said, well, I'll be around while you will be in trouble. Well, I'm still here, and his head is cut off from his body. <laughs>